X. We changing the game on the name, put respect. Uncle Dad talks, yeah, live and direct. What did you expect from the two fly guys? One love Kevin Smith, one of more's golden eye. Mike's the level-headed, baby Gabe edits. Uncle Dad gets nervous all the time, but to his credit, he's clever. Spring stuff on Mike on a daily. And can mangle up a name amazingly. The range of events and topics makes it hard to stop listening. So why even attempt it? From bare knuckle fighting, to Grammy songwriting, to Burning Man flames. To fight a video game. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 99 of Uncle Dad Talks. I'm Uncle Dad, and with me, as always, is the ever-so-handsome Mike Hampton. Mike, how are you? Hello, hello. I'm good. How are you? You know, I'm pretty good, man. Full of good laughs, good fun. We just had a great interview with this guest, and uh, I'm very excited to uh, to have them on the show. I think it's... Uh, whenever I get to talk about a specific somebody in my life, it's always a great thing, you know? <laughs> I know, but you talk about me all the time, and it just gets old. <laughs> Oh, so he's uh, he's wrong this time. <laughs> oh, wait, what? It's not about me. <laughs> no, it's not about you. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. He got me on that one. Uh, yeah, right. Mike. Uh, before we talk about today's guest, uh, let's, let's pay the bills. Uh, of course, we got to talk about our sponsors. Now, our sponsors are uh, Clandestine Brewing from San Jose, California. It's Clandestine Brewing is one of the greatest brewers in the south bay if not all of northern california go check them out uh just google clandestine brewing you'll find where they are and quick announcement with that mike and i are going to be making another beer with them uh that will be released in the summer uh mike how exciting is that a nice summer frothly beer in the in the early afternoon sounds amazing especially when it's brought to you by uncle dad crew Uncle Dad, Uncle Dad, and just Mike. That's the thing. We should announce that, yeah. by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and clandestine brewing, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be. Uh, well, I guess we'll talk more details on that later. But uh, yeah, it's going to be coming out in the summertime. Uh, and of course, uh, if you haven't heard, uh, as of recently, we had the new Swamp Dragon liquor-based hot sauce, which you can get at swampdragonhotsauce.com. And if you use promo code Uncle Dad, you'll get twenty percent off anything. Anything, Mike. Twenty percent off anything on their website. And Mike, how good was that hot sauce? Tell them one more time. Tell them one more again. Coming from a hot sauce aficionado as myself, yes, very excellent. And again, if you haven't heard about it, they don't use vinegar; they use booze, hard alcohol, but such the slightest amount, and it allows you to taste the taste and not just taste a, a flavored vinegar. So. I was really surprised, you know, as a hot as a hot sauce guy, I was really excited to 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 dive into those. So, yeah, um, seriously, it's it's a, it's a, such a great product. So, go check them out swampdragonhotsauce.com. Promo code Uncle Dad. Uh Uncle Dad, yeah, just Uncle Dad and you get 20% off. And uh, one last thing, a call to action if you will. Uh you guys listen and we love that you listen and we're about to celebrate 100, uh but we need I want let's I want to connect with you guys more. Mike wants to connect with you guys more and the way we can do that is if you follow us on Instagram. Uh we we actually not just do the show if you haven't seen or heard by now. We do uh these vlogs that we don't charge for. We do a bunch of video content now that we don't charge for. There's no paywall. I'm never going to put a paywall up. Uh at least I don't see that happening anytime soon because we believe in enhancing the experience for everybody. So please follow us at Instagram at Uncle Dad Talks and follow Mike at Mike Canton Art. Uh, we truly appreciate it. And Mike, tell them they should do it, really, because we've got some great stuff on them. Yeah, we're not going to build a wall like other people want to. So come on in and and look at everything that we have to expose to you. 
there's some, <laughs> there's some funny exposure. Yes, uh, you get to things. see me eat a chili dog. <laughs> Everyone wants to see me eat a chili dog, right? Who doesn't want to see you eat a chili dog? <laughs> you make a but gif you definitely out of that, should. Or a joke, whatever it is. Oh, we should. We should. Uh, uh, actually, that should be a little sticker we make. <laughs> I think so. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, so go to just follow us on Instagram at Uncle Dad Talks and, of course, at Mike Hampton Art. And you can go to our website, UncleDadTalks.com. Uh, okay, Mike, now that's out the way, uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about our guest. Yes, our next guest on the Uncle Dad Talks podcast is a very talented man. Um, he's going to be appearing at MouseCon Bakersfield January 28th. And uh, he's worked for a ton of a ton of different studios and, and, and TV shows in Hollywood. But most notably, for the past 30 years, he's been working at Disney as a, as a designer, as a developer, as a director, as an illustrator. Uh, and his name is Rick Law, and uh, we're, I'm very excited to talk to him on the show. Yeah, it's uh, it was a great time. I'm looking forward to it. I think you guys will like it too. He tells some great stories, and it's also a great tale of tenacity, right? Like the great, uh, you know, when you want something and you push forward and you push through it, and you you know you you when, especially when you're interested in it, right? Like things will come as they will, you know. And I think uh, it kind of goes for your life, you know, his life, a lot of people's lives, you know. When you're in this industry and you push forward. Things just kind of, things just kind of happen, you know. And you learn a lot of that in, in his story. And uh, yeah, I mean, who? Who? Go ahead. Yeah, I say, and it, and it happens from getting out there, putting yourself out there, and, and in situations where you can you can make these connections. And you know, sure, in this day and age, you can do a lot of that, um, you know, on the internet and on social media. But there's nothing like a uh, a face to face interaction with someone that that feels very genuine and real. And so. You hear it in his stories, and even though we're in a different age, I, I feel like it's still very valid to to put yourself out there physically. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. And I do think it is. You know, he mentions that too. It is different now, for sure. Uh, and it's obviously not as easy to do certain things that he did, <laughs> which right. you'll you'll totally hear about. But you know, there is other ways that we can do that. I mean, even when you look at our show and what we've done, you know, some of it's just kind of being at the right place at the right time. You know, so. Uh, just putting yourself out there is key. So if there's any inspiration to anybody, just if you're working on something, just keep putting yourself out there. And I promise one day it'll come to fruition. Uh, but Mike, it's exciting. Let's get the show on the road. And uh, yeah, uh, welcome to episode 99. One more to 100. One more. One more. Yes. And we have a big 100 coming for you. Yes, yes we do. Yes, we it's, do. I hope you're ready. It's the big one. There's the a hint. big one. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. All right, everybody. We'll see you right back after this break. Mike, say hello again. Hello, hello, hello. That's like a trademark hello. I think we need to we need to trademark that. Just so you know, Mike. Mm, I don't know <laughs> if it's a hundred percent mine, but sure. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, Mike, go ahead and introduce our our great guest we have on today. I'm very excited about this guest. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun today, I know it. Yeah, I mean, he's a man of many talents, uh, an illustrator, producer, a designer, a toy designer, graphic designer. Uh, he's been a speaker. He's a member of CAPS, which I think is really awesome. We have uh, the one and only Rick Law. Welcome to the show, Rick. Hi, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So I appreciate it. I hope I didn't leave anything out. I hope I didn't leave anything <laughs> out in that uh, intro it's there. You know, I've been called many things, just as long as you don't call me late for dinner, right? So, uh, <laughs> that's yeah, that's big trouble. 
<laughs> hey, so Rick, I was looking, I was looking you up as 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 I do when uh, we have a guest on the show, and I saw, yeah, you you grew up in in Salinas, California. Yeah, Central California, Salinas, and uh, I, I, we moved there when I was about eleven, and so um, and then I lived there until uh, you know I was about nineteen or twenty, and then moved down to Los Angeles. Um, but yeah, that's where I grew up. That's still my hometown. I haven't been back in a while, but uh, but little small, uh, as we say, cow town. You know, the the rodeo is uh, the the California's largest rodeo is there. So um, so. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a very big cow town agriculture. Yeah, also, isn't it also the uh, lettuce capital of the world or something? Something yeah. like that. Yeah, a lot of agriculture. That's just what we say. The salad bowl capital of the world is that whole valley. So you just drive around, and you could just literally stop by the side of the road and pick up, you know, food for, uh, you, you know, lettuce and uh, Castrovilla's artichokes and Gilroy's garlic and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, on and on and on. So the whole salad bowl. So it's right there. Everything you need. And then, uh, <laughs> and so I, I also saw you, uh, you made your way, um, to Comic-Con when you were 16. And so when you were growing up there in Salinas, where you were already into comics and, and art, like, was that your, your Well, thing? my background, you know, I always, since I was a kid, like most kids, you know, kind of copied from comic books and cartoons. And so, you know, the big one for me when I was that age, uh, my youngest age was, copying from the Garfield comics. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, and I was kind of inspired. I wrote Jim Davis at one point. He, he wrote me back and sent me a little drawing and, uh, the creator of Garfield. And, but my next door neighbor, uh, Gary Shipman, who's also a comic book artist. And, um, now, uh, at the time he was all into comics and he's a bit older than me. And, um, and so we start, I started, you know, I was introduced to Mark kind of, I, I had known already comic books before I'd seen them in the seven elevens and that kind of thing and stuff and was thought they were cool, but I never was really into them, into them until I met my friend Gary and then Gary, um, really kind of, uh, you know, uh, we kind of just, uh, pushed that, I guess, or, you know, um, inspired me there. And then him and his older friends, they were all into cons and stuff and they had been to San Diego Comic-Con previous. And so when I was 16 and they were all like 18 uh, and a little bit, yeah, like 18, um, they convinced my mom to, uh, I'd really, I'd never really gone anywhere, but they convinced my mom. They said, oh, we'll take care of him. And they said, uh, we're going to go to Comic-Con for like the week. Don't worry. We'll take care of him. Let, let's go. So my mom, they talked her into it. And she gave me a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter and like 20 bucks to last me the whole week. Mm. And we went, all of us, uh, like eight, nine guys down to Comic-Con. And another friend of mine, John Stracuzzi, who owned uh, – him and his brother owned a comic shop in Monterey, California. Um, he got a hotel room and he's like, oh, you guys can all crash in my hotel room. So literally like all like you know nine, ten of us guys crashed in John's hotel room in the holiday and we're all sneaking in to be like just crashing on the floor mm. for a week and um, went down to Comic-Con and, you know, back in those days, uh, that was 1986 when I first went and it, it was still a very small con. Uh, I think 5,600 was the amount of people that went that year. And so literally you could walk up to these creators and people and just kind of talk to them and have whole conversations and things. And now, you know, you have to get a ticket and stand in line and, all of these things. And it's a whole different world of cons nowadays. But, um, 
But back then it was very easy. And so that was the show. I met Stan Lee and Jack Kirby for the first time there at that show. Mm. Um, Frank Miller, um, Ralph McQuarrie, who later became a really good friend of mine. And I was so surprised because I was 16. I was like, Ralph McQuarrie was here and, you know, he designed all of Star Wars and, and there was no one at his table. And, you know, and I was like, so I just literally stopped, hung out at his table like all day long and just, you know, talked. And so that four days was very um, inspirational and pivotal for me um, uh, at, the, at the con at that time. And um, and then I've just been back every year since. Uh, I think this is 37, 38 years. I've gone to Comic-Con um, now in San Diego every year. And, every and now year. I – yeah, every year ago. And um, – uh, and, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm grateful to count, you know, a lot of those creators I first met at that first show have become um, friends or even mentors along the way. You know, that's such a that's such a golden age of cons, right? There's the golden age of comic books. That to yeah. me is like the golden age of comic cons, because, you know, obviously, for those that don't know, you know, there's 100,000 people that go to San Diego Comic Con now. And, you know, if you're even lucky enough More to get a that, ticket, probably, yeah, yeah, it's it's it sells out in, in minutes. And but much like you, uh, I went and I think my the first few years was uh, my lunch was a loaf of bread and, and some sort of <laughs> uh, peanut, peanut butter and jelly contraption that I made at the at the booth. But also. I know all about sharing a room with <laughs> 10 other guys yeah. sleeping on the floor. And it's like, sometimes that's it's, a rite of passage. It, it has to be right. <laughs> is, is it? It has to be. Is it? <laughs> Listen, like, everybody just bunking wherever you can find space. It's like, uh, you know, <laughs> remember that show on MTV, the real world. It, it, it could be like that. Cause, cause sometimes you don't even know the people. It's like a friend of a friend and someone's uncle and a teacher yep. and, a, and this random guy. And, they don't always get along. <laughs> yep, we had that as well. So, uh, you know, lots of stories uh, that come out of uh, those friendships and, uh, and you know, relationships formed in pivotal years, I guess. Yeah. But, wow, how cool is that that on your first, you know, con you get to meet, you know, some of the all-time most important people in comics, right? Like a Stan Lee and a Jack – like Jack Kirby, I, I mean. I mean, they were they – were, pretty legendary at their time now they're you know um you know i tell younger friend uh, every younger friend he's 30 years old and uh and he i tell him this and he his eyes just bug out you know because they are legends that he never got a chance to really interact or meet with and so um uh and so it was pretty amazing actually i have a funny story about stan and jack so when i went i i didn't i didn't bring anything with me other than the peanut butter and the the loaf of bread so um, I had a friend who took pity on me and he tore out a sheet of, of note of a sketchbook paper and he gave it to me to get autographs at that show. And so I had one page of, 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 of I just go over to everybody. Can I get your autograph? Can I get your autograph? And sometimes you do a little sketch for me or doodle and stuff. And so everybody was signing this one page and which is pretty amazing of itself. Um, and Jack Kirby had signed it. And I got to Stan and I said, hey, Stan, will you sign this? And he looked and he saw Jack Kirby's name there and he flipped the page over and he signed on the other side. And so um, because at that time they still were kind of um, not feuding, but they were a little bit like, you know, there was there was a little uh, uh, back and forth um, between them. And so so, disagreement. Yes. yes. And so uh, (laughs) 
so anyway, so I have that, still have that sheet somewhere, but like my buddy comes over and he looks at that. He's just like, oh my gosh, that's so, so crazy. That needs to, that needs to be like in a museum for sure. Like, oh my God, could you imagine the names you have on that? <clears throat> yeah, least, it's, uh, 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 it's, it's pretty amazing. And a lot of them are already gone. Yeah. Unfortunately. At least framed, at least framed in your studio or. I'm, yeah, I got to figure out a double-sided yeah, frame. <laughs> mm, mm. So to get yeah. that double-sided, so. Wow, what fun. Um, so that obviously, so is that where you kind of figured I'm going to be an artist, like this is what I want to do, and and that's where the, the journey for as an artist kind of took off for you? or? Well, I don't know or, if it took off for me at Comic-Con, because I, I, art is just something I always did, even back when I was in kindergarten. But for me, it really was um, pivotal in that it was inspirational and influential for me. Um, when I went mm -hmm. there, you know, meeting those people in real life and seeing, I guess, for um, the first time, like meeting people that were actually making their living from doing it. Um, and so that was, uh, you know, eye opening in many ways. And, um, uh, you know, and, and just meeting those people, uh, getting their insight and input. And, um, uh, you know, so that was that definitely it, it sparked something there for me. Um, but for me, like, again, it was just, it was always been a passion. It was just something I did naturally anyways. Um, and so for me, like growing up in Salinas, uh, starting out early years, you know, I would find any opportunity I could to draw. And so it was, you know, my, one of my first initial jobs in town was I did the logos for a real estate company. Um, they did a shopping center in Gonzales nearby Gonzales. And I did the, the, their designs for that. Um, but it was really a lot of local bands that kind of started where I started doing logos and, you know, I'd paint a drum cover for them or whatever. And then that introduced me to, um, kind of more medium size from local acts to medium size acts I got introduced to and eventually went up to kind of national acts. Um, so, um, another person that was really influential early in my career was, uh, a artist named Steve Taylor. And I had done a, um, uh, a t-shirt as a you know and i did it for a high school project uh they want us to paint t-shirts for whatever reason and so i did mine of like the covers of his albums and took it to a concert and he saw it and he really liked it and um it ended up uh, then, then he had me enter there was a record contest that they had uh his record company did um i ended up winning that contest um and it just kind of introduced me to other acts and different record company people now and that kind of thing and um, and so little by little opportunities kind of, um, I found opportunities to draw and to utilize my artwork or people, people found opportunities to use me, <laughs> I guess. And then, um, and then eventually even from that, it went on to working in, uh, in LA to working on like commercials and, uh, just kind of gigging it on television shows, Melrose place and, uh, just odds, odds and ends of different things. Um, and and then eventually, uh, I got the break at Disney. So, um, and then started at Disney in 1993. So, and, uh, started working with them. That's how long I've been associated with 30 years now with Disney. So can, can yeah. I backtrack real quick? Do I have my math right? That you were working on the Arsenio Hall show? Yeah. When you were so, so that was when I, so I was living in Salinas and, um, and I would come down to Los Angeles and on my first trip to Los Angeles, um, you know, it was, uh, I was probably about 18 years old and 
um, we had had a, we had access to a car and I got a buddy and we drove down. It was the middle of the night. We came to Los Angeles. We're just so excited. We're like, Oh man, the city of dreams kind of thing and stuff. And we just went all over. And this is back when you could drive right up to the front gates of universal, like city walk wasn't there and the parking lot wasn't there. And we drove up and it was like literally two in the morning. Cause we had just got to Los Angeles and we were there just at the gates, just to be like, this is universal studios. And the sheriffs came and we're like, you guys can't be here. <laughs> and we're like, we're like, Oh, but mm. we just kind of went all over LA in the middle of the night sightseeing and um, Grauman's Chinese theater and just kind of discovering Los Angeles and Hollywood and stuff. And so one of the places we found was Paramount studios and I wandered around and the sun was eventually coming up and I was like, I was determined I was going to get into Paramount studios one way or the other. So I was like, man, we got to get in there. I, I want to visit a movie studio. And so we wandered around the movie studio uh, many times and, and backs up against uh, uh, Paramount is the is the Hollywood Cemetery there. And we had gone in the cemetery and in, in the mausoleum, we found a janitor's closet that happened to be open and, and they had a window that looked out into the lot of Paramount Studios. And so we were looking through the window and we could see guys filming in the stage that was right there. And you know, all these guys and trucks and stuff. And it was just exciting to us just to watch it now. Cause we're watching from this thing and it's, you know, early morning or, you know, almost afternoon. And we were watching and there was a man with white hair there. And we kind of called down to the guys and we we're like, Hey, what are you guys filming? And like, what are you guys doing down there and stuff? And, and then, um, cause this is a good about 10 feet, 11 feet drop from the window. And this guy with white hair is like, oh, yeah, we're filming a thing called Scrooged. And we're like, Scrooged? And uh, we're like, we well, didn't know what that, that was at the time. Yes. You know, we had no whatever. And like, yeah, and, and, and everything. And like, well, can we come watch you guys film? And they're like, well, how are you guys going to get down from that window? And we're like, we'll just hop down. Like, you know, it's not a problem. We'll climb through the window. Because we were kids, you know, it's still 18 <laughs> years old. And it was like, okay. And um, it was a different world, you know, it was before 9-11 or any of that stuff. And so... So they said, hold on, we'll, we'll ask. And so they asked this guy mm. with white hair, I remember. And then uh, he was like, okay, come on down. Don't hurt yourself, guys, but come on down. So we climbed through the window, me and my buddy, and, and jumped down and, and went onto the set. And, and it turned out that that was director Richard Donner. And so he invited us on his set. Wow. And then he said, uh, okay, and, and they took us over. We met the AD and they took us over and they sat us on the stage and, uh, or stood us on stage. So you guys can stand right here and watch and stuff. And Bill Murray was on and Carol Kane and, you know, um, they were filming the scene with Buster Poindexter in the taxi with Bill Murray. And, um, so we sat there and then, and then eventually, um, they oh, said, yeah. well, if you want, they said, uh, don't go get in trouble, but you can go visit, you know, wander around the lot kind of thing. So we took that opportunity and went just kind of wandered the lot that day and then um, all over. And I ended up meeting uh, through going to Paramount and, and a few times after that as well, because we'd go back to visit. Um, I ended up meeting eventually the executive producer of Arsenio show. Uh, who was dating at the time, uh, Arsenio, and the show hadn't even started yet. And so um, we we ended up uh, kind of becoming friendly, and she took a liking to me being a young kid and naive and, and gung-ho and uh, said, hey, whatever. And so when the first show started, you know, one of the things that I said was, um, 
in watching the show, I said, you know, there was these lousy seats that were off in the corner, kind of behind the band. They were literally the worst seats in the house because you were obstructed by the band sitting in front of you. You're looking through them to see the guests and they were off in the corner. And I said, I go, those are, those are the lame seats and you guys should do that. So then they realized, I go, they should be, you know, something special for them. And so they took that observation and then they made that the dog count. And so that became a running joke that they did. Uh, every night ever since then. Um, uh, and it eventually ended up like John Musker said, he's like, Oh, uh, the director of Aladdin, because later they put Arsino in there and the dog county said, Oh, you're actually part of Aladdin. And so, um, which is kind of full circle with the Disney thing. And I never thought about that before, but I was like, Oh yeah, that is kind of strange. So, um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I was at Arsino hall show and they were very kind to me why i have still have no idea but they gave me all access when i was there and i would go in the green room and hang out with people and um and it was it was a bit strange too because at that time um you know it was it was a very um you know it's it's a show popular by african-americans a very urban show and so i was this young white kid and like the only one on the whole show kind of hanging out there and stuff with all these guys and so, um, <laughs> wandering around. And so they, um, they were, they're very sweet. And, um, uh, that was an interesting time and pivotal thing, um, influential in my career as well. And so, um, and from that, you know, went on, um, uh, again to work on other shows and things, but that was one of my early credits there. Um, uh, eventually got to know people at Paramount pretty well. Um, and, uh, some of their ad agencies and stuff and got an opportunity to work on the, my first movie poster was Leap of Faith for Steve Martin, uh, for Paramount. Um, so, um, so again, it was, it was a lot of gigging when, before I ever came to Disney around town on different things. And, um, and even when, uh, I started Disney, the job wasn't drawing. It was working in their shipping room. I had a friend who was art director. And so he said, Hey, come on over. And, mm. and, uh, we have, you know, that was before the internet. So it was, at that time, uh, the company serviced 70 different countries around the world that they would send out the titles to. And uh, in each of those countries, of course, they have to change the title. They have to change the sometimes the cover art because colors aren't appropriate. Certain colors, like in Saudi Arabia, I think it is, uh, the color like dark blue, purple isn't really um, appropriate in that country for whatever reason. So so if that if that whatever for re whatever reason that cover art featured that, then they'd have to go and change it. So we'd put together these packages for each country for every single title. And sometimes they're putting out five to ten titles a month. And so it was a lot of shipping and a lot of assembling these kits to go to these different countries. And so they need somebody to do that. And they said, hey, Rick, will you come on in and do this? And for me, it was just the opportunity to be at Disney at the time. And so I said, sure, I'll come on over. I'll, I'll, I'll take a crack at that. And so I, I shipped that and did that for a few months uh, before um, the story is uh, that. So one day somebody had a birthday in the office. And uh, like offices do, somebody put a card up on the door and everybody was signing it like a big mm. card, like saying happy birthday and that kind of thing. And I, I wrote happy birthday and did like a little Mickey head drawing on there and uh, not really thinking anything of it. And the lead art director at the time, she walked through and she saw it and she said, who drew this? And everybody got kind of quiet 
and pointed at me and I kind of did a big gulp thinking like, oh no, it's like, you know, maybe only certain people are like Mickey's like a sacred icon or something and I'm not supposed to draw it. And I was thinking, am I going to get fired? And then she said, you drew this? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, from now on you work for me. And, uh, and from that day on, I started drawing covers. That was it. <laughs> just the luckiest man in the world I, over here. Yeah. You know, talk about like, I love it, dude. I, I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like the way, the way you tell that story, how, you know, one thing just leads into the next, you know, you, you follow the thread of things that open, whether it be a janitor's door and a window or, uh, <laughs> you know, a birthday card on the door, like a lot of it sounds like the right place at the right time in a different time when those things happen. Yeah, that's why I try and tell younger people is you can't, you know, they want, you know, most everybody wants to know, how do you break into Hollywood? And I get that question quite a bit. And I go, there's no answer to that. Uh, because each person's trip and travel kind of thing is going to be unique to them and the opportunities and, and potentials that happen in front of them and the, and the connections and things that they make and stuff. Um, and it's not even about connections. It's just relationships. It's who you meet and where you're at. And so. Um, mm -hmm. and so I couldn't have planned any of that. Um, most of what had happened to me in my life was, uh, probably a consequence of me being more naive than strategic. Um, because I was just trying to have fun and be st like stupid as a stupid kid. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. I'm going to want to do this and whatever and stuff. And I want to figure a way to make this happen and stuff. And so, um, and, and doors and things open to me. And so, um, and sometimes it wasn't even thinking at all. It just like me writing happy birthday and drawing a Mickey head. It wasn't thinking it was just did it. And it was like, Oh, I happened to be in the right place at the right time. And she needed somebody to start doing comps for her and um, mm -hmm. that could draw. And so it was like, okay. So I started doing the covers of the, the videos and the DVDs and then did those at the Disney for Disney for over 15 years before I moved on to another part of the company. So, so yeah, so it's been a, it's been a, uh, you know, just just Disney alone is its own kind of, you know, career story. But yeah, all the stuff that happened before that, um, up until that point, you know, is um, different movies and television shows and video games and just everything. So it's it's fascinating to me because you brought up uh, Uncle Dad brought up on the, right before we started here, the game prototype. And nobody ever talks to me about like some of these things lately. It's funny when people bring out these things from my career, like, oh, wow, that was 25, 30, you know, 35 years ago um, that nobody really mentions or then they dig out and stuff because everybody really just kind of want to talk to me about Disney all the time. So, um, but yeah, the prototype, yeah, was one I worked on as well. So I guess uh, if you, since you brought that up real fast, uh, prototype, did you design the actual character? Like, no. The final look? No, okay. no, no, no. So I was a concept artist on that. And primarily what I what they brought me in to work on um, myself and, and uh, my art director at the time, Bradley Gross. And um, he and Bradley Gross and I worked together for many, many years, uh, even at Disney, because he moved on to become our director at Disney. Um, oh, wow. But we've just been friends forever. Uh, but we we primarily were brought in to work on the military propaganda signage that that populates throughout the whole entire show or, or video game. And so right, right. whenever you're going anywhere and you see like, oh, needs the cure or 
come over here, whatever, all these different little signage and, and military propaganda. Um, and then even like billboard, like billboards in the game that like say, you know, um, do it for the country and, you know, all these yeah. different kinds of things and stuff. So we just concepted a ton of those. And video games are very specific because um, different than like working on other shows because you're you're bound by pixel dimensions and those kind of things. And so um, so interesting challenge to make those things read and pop and um, figure those those things out. So um, but yeah, but uh, every now and again, somebody will bring up prototype to me um, or or even like I was at Sack Anime um, just a few weeks back. I was um, fortunate to be a special guest there. And people came up and I, you know, I, I didn't think anime would be a good fit for me because Disney is like a different thing than that. But people are like, oh, just cartoons are cartoons. They'll love you. And it was a really fabulous show. But what I found is, is that those guys wanted to talk to me about Pokemon and Power Rangers that I worked on that nobody ever talks to me about because few people know that when Disney distributed those, um, that they did Pokemon Forever um, for and they did uh, Power Rangers for about from I think it was 2000 to 2007. We distributed like uh, so I worked on about seven seven Power Rangers titles, and so but nobody you know it just kind of gets lost in all the other Disney stuff, and so um, uh, and it's not really like called out anywhere. So but went to Sack Anime and people found it, and and now you talk to me about prototypes. So. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate those throwbacks. Yeah. It's fun, right? Like, yeah, I mean, per- go ahead, Uncle. Go ahead. I was just okay. say it's fun. It, say just- it's fun that uh, you get to probably sign an array of things. What's the what's the oddest thing you've signed at a, like a convention that uh, a fan brought? Odd. Um, yeah, odd. I, I, I don't really know. I mean, it's usually been things connected with uh, my Disney artwork, of course, um, but. The recently people started bringing me Funko Pops. And so that's been a new experience for me because they're characters that I'm kind of, I mean, I guess loosely associated with because I did covers and stuff for, but um, it's not really like that's my character. It's just a character that I rendered at one point or that I've rendered over time. And so now that, that that's an interesting kind of evolution of my career is that now it's just I'm so, I guess, associated with Disney that it's just, oh, almost anything Disney they bring me to sign, you know, um, which is which is interesting and, and fun. You know, it's a, it's a fun thing. Uh, I, I very much appreciate it. Um, you know, um, and so we'll see. Well, I, you know, I, I don't think the oddest thing has probably been brought to me yet. <laughs> it probably will be in the okay. future still. So, uh, so, you know, every experience is unique. You know, I was telling somebody they're all, every experience with fans is, is unique and humbling in different ways. And so I was telling somebody about one of my recent conventions I was at and I had, uh, these th- right when the show had opened, these three preteen girls ran up to my uh, table all breathless and I go oh calm down girls like what's going on and they're like no we came to the show just to see you and I was like mm-hmm. what like there are 45 other 50 other guests there and they're like no we came just to see you and I was like I was so blown away by that <laughs> like that's the only reason we came to the show and I was so blown away by that but then that's way balanced out by um there was a mom at my table on the second day of the show and with her six, seven-year-old kid, and he comes and sees one of my originals on the table of I had Pokemon out there. 
And then uh, I done Pikachu, I'm sorry. And then the mom said, I was asking me how much it was. And I told her. And then the kid goes, what? That's not even worth it. <laughs> and so. That feels great, right? <laughs> so that's comfort oh. too. And so and I probably agree with the kid. I go, yeah, you know, I still come from the day of, um, you know, back when I was 16, you go to con and everybody just draws or autographs things for free. And it's a different, it's a different mm -hmm. world now, you know, cartoons and stuff. And so, um, you know, uh, and even I talked to like one of my good friends is Floyd Norman, the Disney legend. And he, he's the same thing is, is we always just think of the cartoons as like, it's for kids and you kind of whatever, but now it's all about collectors and, and dealers and adults really it's, it's moved into a different kind of thing. And so, um, so, uh, so it's, it's, it's interesting watching the evolution of cons and, Mm -hmm. uh the business i guess um since you know over time i mean back when we started going to cons nobody really went to cons except for nerds you know and now it's exactly. now it's everywhere everybody's a nerd yeah so it, we've all grown to all the nerds i mean that, that's how so. that's how us two nerds met was at yeah. a nerdy con in uh in sacramento as well yeah oh yeah that's right yeah <laughs> that's true huh i guess so <laughs> yeah. yeah so well yeah. speaking of cons you're going to be at a con coming up uh on january 28th very soon called yep, uh mouse con and this is in this is in bakersfield california and yeah it's a it's it's an all disney con so you should get lots of, of people yeah. running up to your table well there's this, i share con, the bill right? there with a lot of other uh you know disney legends and people so there'll be like uh david frankenham and uh mimi gibson from uh one home one dalmatians uh, there'll be um, Margaret Carey, the original model for Tinkerbell, uh, live action model for Tinkerbell. Um, she's coming out. Um, she's a very good friend of mine, and uh, she's 93 and uh, spreading pixie dust all over the place. And so um, there'll be some mm. Mouseketeers there um, from the 90s because there were several iterations of the Mouseketeers, as we know. Um, so there's a there's a there's a whole handful of of guests that are um equally uh and probably more so uh legendary and um uh and, and just kind of uh, amazing so we'll be out there spreading the the mouse fun uh at MouseCon coming up uh this weekend so yeah yeah i also know that the uh the uh, the, the puppeteers of, of grogu aka baby yoda are going to be there yeah. for the first their first show yeah, and there's another actor that was on The Mandalorian as well that's going to be there. So some of these people, you know, they think that uh, a lot of the fans think that, oh, if you're at Disney, you just know every Disney person. Um, and it is a large family. And there are people that you see more on a regular basis than you do get to know. But there's just so many that are have an association or connection with the company. It's, sure. it's hard to get to know everyone. And so um, – so I, I don't know all the names, but um, uh, but yeah. So there's there's going to be a lot of a lot of fun to be had. So new and old Disney, um, uh, just the Disney universe will be represented out and there. And just think the of the size of that birthday card if you did know every single person at Disney. How many signatures <laughs> would have to be on there? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of Mickey cool. heads getting drawn. Uh, before so, we uh, we kind of wrap up here, I want to talk really quickly about. Uh, so my yeah. child, I have a child, kinda, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I watch movies with my child, and she only likes uh, two different movies, uh, Lion King and all the Buddies movies, and oh, I wanted to show yeah. you why that is. 
Well, you know, the Buddies movies, it's funny because that's another thing no one ever talks to me about. So I come on the Uncle Dad show and he just pulls out all these things. So I watch, so, I watch and, this with, with my daughter all the time. And let me show you why. Yeah, just yeah. When, I have to give you one second. Just what do you see this, this right. daughter of his? When he, when, when I told, when I, Rick, when I right. told him, you, you know, you agreed to come on the show. He said that. <laughs> oh yeah. Little dog. He's a, what he said that Mango loves your movies, <laughs> these movies you worked on. And I said, Mango loves the movies. And yes, for, for those that are listening, Mango is Uncle Dad's uh, golden retriever who watches movies, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> no, so she literally, so we, I'm not kidding. She watches movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, those dogs are so smart. Um, uh, and actually, whenever they would go and do a new round of the puppies movies or the Air Bud they would get a new round of dogs and reteach them and stuff. And so, and they were, they were very cool. Uh, unfortunately, I never had time or, or um, the space at the time uh, at my own house, but they would go every round of dogs, the executives, they would offer them up to, to adopt. Wow. So a lot of the what? Disney executives uh, that would work on would, would end up having a few of them would have the dogs. And, uh, and so, so that was one thing I had to pass on that I never was able to, you know, um, but I have met, uh, I, I did meet, uh, the golden retrievers. They would bring them over every now and again and stuff. And, oh my God. and, and throughout <laughs> my career, it seems like I have drawn so many puppies between one hero and Dalmatians and the buddies movies and, uh, whatever it's, uh, dogs, they, they, you know, track me down. But, um, actually speaking <laughs> wow. of things I had to pass by, so another one, uh, another opportunity uh, uh, story is, uh, so Dean Jones was in all the Herbie movies, if you remember, and I met him as a Disney legend, and he had one of the original Herbie cars. And so when I was a young guy oh. and I first started the Disney company, I met Dean, and Dean at that time was looking for someone to take the car and restore it, but still take it to cons and shows and whatever, and take it off his hands. And he offered it to me at the time. And I was like, had a one bedroom apartment and I was like, I barely had a garage. I was like, my garage is filled. I was like, I don't know how to do this or how to take care of this or whatever. So I, that was another thing I had to pass by and I kicked myself every day ever since for not figuring it out. But, um, but yeah, I could have had an original Herbie. So I think an Imagineer oh at the God. company actually took it on and has it now and has restored it. So, but, um, wow. uh, but yeah, so, uh, so the dogs and Herbie cars and, whole bunches of things well when when i um man if i get a chance to see you i want you to, to i get artists to draw my dog like i've had a bunch of different artists draw my dog i would love to have you draw my dog one day well you definitely i mean you can always uh uh find me too it's online on my uh, social media and i take commissions and okay. stuff from people and stuff and uh when i have when i have the opportunity because um you know uh the last show that i did people wanted me to do commissions at the show and it was so busy just signing stuff and meeting people that I didn't have a chance to draw at the show. So, um, so, you know, when I'm, I have downtime at the house and everything, then I can do a commission for people that started again. You know, I didn't draw for about, uh, didn't draw regularly except for myself for about 10 years. Um, because the company had me overseeing other artists and managing as I moved up the food chain. And so, um, it wasn't until COVID hit and the pandemic that people started coming to me online. We we're all cooped up in our houses and saying, will you do commissions again? And will you take commissions? So I started doing it and then other people saw it and, and now it's okay. I'm back to doing, you know, art for people all the time. So, uh, so yeah. 
So I'd be happy to. I'm definitely, I'm, I'm definitely going to hit you up for sure. <laughs> Mike, uh, any, anything else? Yeah, Rick. So if people do want to find you online and, and maybe send you uh, love notes or, 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 uh, or complaint letters, commissions, complaints about complaint this movie <laughs> and, like, uh, yes. How do they find you? Uh, they find me. They can find me uh, on Instagram or on uh, Twitter. Twitter, I, I I use a lot because it lets me be uh, pippy or witty or uh, just annoying. Uh, and so, um, but I use Twitter a lot. So, and my screen name on there is Observant View on Instagram and Twitter. Or if they just Google me, uh, it takes you links straight to my sites. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they can find me on Facebook too. I don't you know, that's usually for friends and family, but more and more people are finding me on Facebook. So, um, you know, yeah. so I saw, I saw you were pretty active on Twitter. So yeah. I, I would say if you, if you're on there, go there. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, but I know a lot and, of people have issues with Twitter and stuff right now. So I say, you know, Instagram's good too. So just send me a message. Sure, That's right. So, and, uh, and yes, just to say again, you'll be at MouseCon Bakersfield, January 28th. Yeah. And, and then the weekend after people can come up the weekend after that, I'll be, they've asked me to do a very surreal thing for me, uh, do the Hollywood show here in Burbank, California. So the Hollywood show is, is really more known as an autograph show for, um, older actors and actresses and, uh, that kind of thing. So, um, I'll, uh, it's kind of a strange fit for me, but they really felt cause this is the 70th year anniversary of peter pan and tinkerbell and so um so wow. margaret carey and i will be there at that show since i did the cover of tinkerbell and signing autographs and meeting people and um uh we'll be there as well so uh come on out and say hi lovely very cool yeah uh, and the only other thing i want to say is folks listening if there's a moral of the story of this interview it's Always go into a janitor's closet, <laughs> closet. when the door is open. You'll never know what you find. Yeah, so. Uh, just just go. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Thanks a lot, Rick Law, for uh, for coming on the show and then well, chatting Well, thank you guys us. for having me. I very much appreciate it. It was fun. So I, I, let's do it again sometime. Yeah. Truly appreciate everything. Thank you so much. And yeah, I'll be I'll be connecting with you soon to get that, uh, that, <laughs> very get that cool. uh, mango drawing. Thank All you. All right. <laughs> Take care, you guys. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you.